God is good. Amen. Turn into your Bibles anywhere because it's all good. And uh, it's all anointed. Amen. It's, uh, it's been something that's been stirring over my heart the last couple of days um, that I want to share this morning. Um, and uh, it's been unfolding uh, with us as a church over the last little while. And uh, I hope I can unpack it really well. But I, I want to kick off this morning or start just by um, saying that, you know, when, when the, the devil uh, was defeated on the cross, he was stripped of every single weapon that he had. Um, so he is a defeated foe and he doesn't have any more weapons. But he has one thing, and that's called deception. And he's really trying his very best to deceive. Uh, and uh, he's very good at it because he's been around a really long time. And, uh, and so for us as a church, we need to identify, be a people that identify the times that we're living in, identify his deception and what he's uh, trying to do. And then we need to rise up because we are the ones who have the answer. We are the solution. We are the ones who God has put all of his plan in. Amen. He doesn't have plan B of oh, this church. No, they weren't so good. I'm going to do something else. Um, because he sent his son. And in sending his son, that was God's plan. And now we have become the body of Christ. We have become the son now on the earth um, to fulfill the mandate that God had called uh, his son and now us as, the, as his body to, to do. Amen. So I just want to encourage every single one of you that we're living in times now that are very, very deceptive. Uh, there's a lot going on, friends, that's not on the surface, it's underneath. There's agendas that are happening all around the world. Things are being uh, silently uh, tried to be uh, implemented, sub subliminal understandings, that are, and we as the church should not be the ones that get caught up with that. Amen. So everything that I share this morning, I want us to understand that this is who we are called to be, and this is the answer to these things that are happening in the world. There are two major things as Christians, as believers, that hold us in, in tow with what the uh, Spirit is doing and what, what Jesus is doing, what God's wanting to do in the earth. On the one side, we have this uh, eternity that God has placed in our hearts. You can find that in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, I think it is, um, where God's placed eternity in our hearts. Heaven is real, hell is real, and the reality is that, friends, we hold this eternal eternity uh, uh, in our hearts uh, on the one hand, where we are living with this eternity and eternal understanding every single day of our lives. But what the Bible uh, tells us is that he calls it, there's an accountability that we hold uh, in our hands, an accountability with our lives, what we do with our lives. Uh, everything that we do, we'll, we will hold, be held accountable for. Amen? So uh, Paul uh, uses a beautiful illustration in 1 Corinthians 3 where he says, at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God and uh, our whole life is going to be summed up in a pile, right? Hopefully not a pile of, hopefully it's a pile. And, and in that pile, there's gold, there's silver, there's precious stones, there's also wood, hay, and stubble. There's no sin, right? Sin has been taken care of through the cross, through Jesus Christ. There's no sin, but there's this big pile, and then the fire of God's going to come and consume, and what's left, friends, will be the precious stones and the gold and the silver, because that he will reward. Amen. Do you understand that God is a rewarder, those who diligently seek him, uh, Hebrews 11, 6. It's one of the greatest things that as parents we can instill in our kids is this accountability. 
one of the greatest things that we can instill in our kids is understanding of a father. A father's uh, one who rewards. You take away that, you make him a hard taskmaster, right? But he's a God who rewards. So on the one side, we've got this eternal eternity in our hearts, this understanding, friends. And if we keep that in, in our hands and in our hearts, friends, it enables us to do what we're called to do on this earth. If you don't, friends, everything becomes relaxed. Every, you reduce your, your, your joy to that increase that you get or that job promotion or the, your, your dream house or your dream car. If you lose the reality of eternity, that's in our hearts, right? We hold that in the balance. The other one that we hold, friends, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest will be added. How many know that it's the kingdom of God and, and he's not adding there and his righteousness? Romans 14, 17 tells us the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness. So what he's doing is emphasizing the kingdom of God and, and righteousness in the kingdom of God. And then the rest gets added. So what God is saying to us in essence, he's saying we're a people that if you've given your life to him, if you're born again, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, if you have truly been redeemed, then you carry eternity on the one side in your heart all the time, knowing that what I do now with this the, this incredible treasure that God has placed inside of me, this earthen vessel, what I do with this beautiful treasure is vital because it's, it, it, people's lives hang in the balance of uh, heaven and hell with what I do with my treasure. See, when you hold that instead, and then on the other side you hold here, seek first the kingdom of God. That no matter what my dreams are, no matter what I've been called to, no matter what I really, and, and, and listen, let me say this categorically. God loves us, and God does give us dreams. They are desires of our heart. I would love to do this, and I would love to do that. That's beautiful. But all of that must surrender under the lordship of Jesus Christ, under his kingship, under his rule and reign. Seek first the kingdom of God, his dominion, his rule and reign, who he is. That's what we're called to do. Put everything underneath there. I shared a while back about how often what happens is we try and go after things that are not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if they're not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they become a competition to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If God wants you to have this beautiful house, then under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, as you walk in Him, He will give you the house. It says, seek first, and He will add the rest, and you'll get that beautiful house. And that beautiful house will be the, to the glory of His name. But if you go after that house and not under the glory of God, then that house becomes a competition for His glory. Because now it's outside of, of his glory and his rule and his reign, friends. And now that house begins to pull you away from what he's called you to do. So these two things hold us in a focus, in a, in a tension in God to achieve and do all that he's called us to do. And right now, friends, they are absolutely vital for the church to stay on track and to stay focused. Because God wants his children to arise, children of the kingdom of God. There is an amazing thing that happened, friends, when Jesus came onto this earth. There was a transition and a change that happened where suddenly we became children of the kingdom, which is so beautiful, friends. There's, if we can understand that there are two different kingdoms, there's the kingdoms of this world and there's the kingdoms of our God. There is the reality, friends, of this carnal fleshly realm and spirit of this world, and then there's the spirit of the kingdom of God. 
And friends, what happens is most of the time we transition everything that relates to the kingdoms of this earth through our mind. But with the kingdom of God, we need to transition it through our spirit. So what happens is we're born again. We encounter God in the spiritual realm spiritually. But when we come into the natural realm, then we begin to encounter the natural realm through our head. And we negate and we stop the kingdom of God being able to uh, empower, be able to release, be able to take dominion over the areas and spheres of our life. And God's calling us in these days to become a people of power, a people of authority, and begin to take dominion. It was the rule and reign that he gave Adam and Eve from the very beginning. To subdue and to multiply and to take dominion. We've got to begin to take dominion. Dominion means when we bring our life under the rule and reign of Christ, the dominion of God is, is health. There is no sickness, disease, and infirmity in the dominion of God. So when sickness comes into my environment, my responsibility is to take dominion over that sickness. Amen? To operate in power and authority. So in order for us to do that, friends, we have to be a people that are yielded, a people that are surrendered, a people that are, 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 are hearers of the Word of God. And so we've just had a couple of days, three days, where we've been praying and fasting, friends. And the reason why we pray and fast is often we don't realize how this world tries to compete and captivate and capture our heart. And when it captures our heart, friends, it, it also captures our, our hearing. So uh, Celeste was sharing on Wednesday on the, on the um, Bible study, on the Zoom Bible study. Connor was sharing a bit on, on Thursday morning. Um, and I want to pull some of these thoughts together this morning as, in the amount of time that I have just for us to understand a couple of very key things in the journey that God's taking us on and why we need this, why it's so vital. In the beginning of lockdown, I said this was a heart matter and a heart journey that God was doing. Because what, where God wants to take us into, friends, we need to make sure that we have uh, shifted and adjusted our hearts to this place that I want to talk about this morning, so that when God speaks and when we begin to operate, friends, we operate in power and authority. Um, we don't want to be another voice. We want to be the voice. And God's voice is the voice. Can I also just drop this out now because I can, and I feel like just saying it. In these days that we're living in, friends, there's such an attack on the church meeting together on a Sunday. And I want to say it's got an agenda and it's got an under, undercurrent that's operating, friends, trying to rob and steal from us. And I want to thank you and encourage you even as you come on the Sunday mornings. That this, what God wants to do cannot be done through Zoom, cannot be done through Facebook, cannot be done through online. It has to be done in person together. We are the body, friends. And I realize that the, 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 the meetings on Sunday have come under attack, friends, because they haven't being the full mandate and the full expression, and, and things have come into our meetings on Sundays that shouldn't be there, and, and, and God will give us the ability to, to be able to do those. But I have to, uh, f to fix all of that. But I have to go back to the Word of God and make this my highest authority, and I have to say that He is Lord and that He is the one that I seek first 
It's the kingdom and his rule and reign. So I have to go back to here and have a look and go and realize that God wants to have a gathering of people to get together to, to, to um, worship him and to love him, to express who he is and to express them of who they are, and that's family. Amen. So Sundays are absolutely vital. Pick any day, but we've picked Sundays, right? So Sunday is absolutely vital that we get together. But you can't just do it on a Sunday. You have to also do it throughout the week. It's not just a Sunday uh, 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 get-together and that's it. It's also seven days a week there is an expression of, the, expression of the fullness of God. It's the same. Unequivocally, unashamedly, I want to say this uh, this morning as well. I know I'm probably preaching to the converted. But I want to say this clearly this morning. If we look and understand the mandate of God, is God placed gifts on people to be the fivefold gifting, to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, um, uh, prophets, um, that were to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Um, and there are people that have been put in place, friends, that will equip the saints. They will teach the saints. They will help the saints. There's a place where we come where we teach. Friends, that's a Sunday. We come and we teach. We come and express. Then that word that's been taught, friends, needs to be outworked and fleshed in our lives, needs to be discussed, needs to be, to be wrestled with how it's outworked, that it can become flesh, that the word can become flesh and, and dwell amongst us, that the word can become alive and real and quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword in and through our lives to touch many others. Amen. What happens is, friends, and I, every single one of us have the word, and every single one of us can have a relationship with God and can find out, friends. But not every single one of us are teachers. So what happens biblically, friends, is that if you begin to, let's just have a fat, big discussion, and let's every one of us be teachers, and we all know the word, let's just have fun, friends. Then what you do is you break away from the model of God, and what happens there, the, the devil starts to bring his agenda that begins to come into the life of the church. Because in the life of the church, friends, authority is vital. It's vital that there's authority. It's, a vi it's vital that there is structure, because there's structure in the kingdom of God. There's structure in heaven. Every single angel is different, many different angels. They all have different functions and different structure. And it's the same in the Word. There are people, friends, that dedicate themselves to the Word and to prayer. And because they dedicate themselves to the Word and prayer, friends, they don't have the time to go out there and work. So what we do is we have to support and pay for them to actually lead and to preach the, the sheep and the, and, the, and the congregation that they have been given. That's just a reality, friends. That's the word. No matter how we feel, what we think, or whatever, and go, oh, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, then you disagree with the word. You're in big trouble. Right? But in the word, friends, if those things are established, there's governmental authority because we come under authority so that we can be in authority. But what's happening, the subtlety that's going on around the world then is, a, is a rebellion against authority. We, we, can just, we can all just get together and just in our houses and everywhere and just discuss and do everything and, and do whatever we want, friends, without authority. No, you can't. It's not biblical. And it's not us who decide. It's God who decides. So there is this biblical model that we've got to stick to because it's under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then as we do that, we begin to grow and develop into the true bride of Christ. So what happens out there, friends, is that people, look, we've got governments that have overreached. They were never given that mandate by God, so they're overreached. When they overreach, the people 
got upset. So now the people are rising up, friends, and we're going as the church. Often as the church, we go, yeah, and they rise up, whatever. But the subtlety of the enemy is to come in and to say, listen, yes, rise up, because that, what I really want is you to rebel against authority. What I really want is lawlessness to creep in. Because my Bible tells me that in the end times, lawlessness will be on the increase. And when lawlessness begins to be on the increase, then it says the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness will create the love of many to grow cold. You see, when we sit and we surrender under authority, friends, and our love increases, I'm encouraging you here today as we sit under the authority of God, our love for Him increases. And we sit under the authority of His Word, our love increases. And we sit under the authority of His church, our love increases. The minute we get rebellious and lawlessness, I can do what I want, then our love starts to go cold. Very powerful because it's the Bible. Amen? That's why I said what we've got to do is go back to singing songs of the Word and preaching just the Word. I love the noble Bereans in Acts 17. Noble Bereans, they listened with eagerness to Paul as he shared the Word. And they went and they studied the Scriptures to find out what he was saying. Is it true? Wow. See, that's why we need a church that's hungry for the Word of God. But what's happened in the church today, these little things are creeping in. Little rebellions, little things that just, they're a form of godliness, but they're denying his power. Friends, we've got to get back to the word of God. So what I, I want to just drop a couple of thoughts in, I might have dropped something already, but let, let me just, um, let me just, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, can you go to Mark chapter 6 um, this morning? Um, I want to also say this, and this is just, my, some people might say I'm old school, um, you know, you, you you're from that other era and the young oaks and what have you. But I want to say this. I want to encourage you this morning and just simply say this. I want to say I love that we have beautiful phones. I love that we have smartphones. I love that we have 40,000 apps on our phones. I love it. It's beautiful. It's great for communication. It's great for having fun. Friends, unfortunately, one of those things on our phones is called a Bible app. And uh, we bring our phones because now we're going to go on our phones. We're going to go on our Bible app to read the Word. Unfortunately, along with the Bible app on the rest of your phone is a whole bunch of other stuff. And unless you're very diligent and you're very, very uh, uh, focused, you generally can get distracted by a phone. So I'm one of those guys that love when the church brings uh, to two uh, meetings the old-fashioned uh, Bible, Word of God uh, book on, written on paper and not on a phone because there's a distraction for me, friends, that we battle with when it comes to our phone. And I don't have to go into this whole dilemma, but friends, you can just talk to husbands and wives and uh, all kinds of relationships, whatever, and talk about the phone. And uh, before everything else, I've got my phone. It's in my back pocket. I'm having a discussion with my wife, but I'm pulling out my phone. No, no, I've just got an app here about how... You can deal with your wife on the, no, I'm not, I'm reading everything else and I'm not even paying attention. Why am I saying that? Because we've got to get back to the place where we actually tremble at his word. Can I, yes, I can. Can I ask you this simple question this morning? How many of you prayed for the meeting? How many of you prayed for the word? How many of you put out your faith and believed that what I was going to say this morning actually could make a difference and change your life? How many of you actually have got a pen and paper in your hand? How many of you arrogantly think that you can remember what I said? 
quiet. It's very quiet. How many know I love you? I'm just being serious, friends. We need to actually understand that this thing, we're living in days that are so deceiving. They're so deceptive, the Bible says that even the elect, if God hadn't shortened them, even the elect would have been deceived. We're moving in times where it's difficult without the word of God. It's our only anchor. It's our only stability. I know his name is Jesus. But we can go to his word and we can read his word and we can anchor ourselves in what he's saying, what he's doing and go, oh, okay, thank you, Lord. That's beautiful. Amen? So let me just get, get moving on because uh, that one, oh, I can feel it. It's, um, so, so what happens is the disciples now, they, they're traveling around with Jesus, and he's preaching and he's sharing, and they're in this wild place far away from everything else, and Jesus says, we need uh, to go get them, feed these guys. And the disciples are going, oh, how the heck, we don't even have the money for that. How are we going to do it? Um, and, and Jesus says, what do we have? And he says, five loaves, two fishes. Let me know the story. Five loaves, two fishes. Jesus says, bring them here. He blesses them. He prays. And then he gives them to the disciples. So the disciples, he breaks, gives them, can you imagine? I mean, you've got a picture of this, beautiful. Uh, he takes this disciple. So uh, Peter's there. He, he, Jesus gets these five loaves. He breaks it in half. So he's got a half. He goes now and he breaks that half there and thinks, okay, I've gone from one to a half to a quarter. Um, this isn't going to go very far. And I don't know what I'm going to say now to the rest of the people that are looking to me, right? And he breaks it, and he looks down again. It hasn't diminished. And he breaks it again, he breaks it, he breaks it. And suddenly he's involved in this incredible miracle of five loaves and two fishes, feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. We don't know the size of the crowd, but that is massive. And then when they're leftovers, they gather all the baskets, and there's 12 baskets of leftovers. We just skip over some of these stories. They are phenomenal. That will blow your mind. If I did that here, said, listen, guys, okay, yeah, I've got a sticker built on. Um, and I'm going to just share it with you. Everybody's ready to run to the front because the front rows are the ones that are going to get the bultong. The rest of you are going to lose out, right? And I carry on breaking this bultong, and the next minute everybody is being fed, and I still have the same stick of bultong in my hand. You'd be like, wow, I'm going to join that church. No. <laughs> so here they are. They, 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 it's powerful. Jesus tells them he wants them to go off. Uh, on the boat to go across, and he uh, dismisses the crowd, and he goes up to the mountain, he prays. Um, Just reading from verse 40-something. Yeah, something. 46, I think it is. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea. He was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against him. About the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. It's a quite a, a time. Anybody comes walking on the sea between 3 and 6 a.m., for me, I think I would also. Um, anyway, he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. But they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Fascinating. That here they are, in like between 3 and 6 o'clock a.m., they're trying, going, battling. Jesus comes walking, he's going to pass them by, because he just wants to get to the other side, and 
and I'll meet you guys there. And then they see him, woo, it's a ghost. They're scared, whatever. Jesus goes, don't be afraid, no problem, whatever. Comes onto the boat, and then he says to them, um, he refers back to the, the loaves and the fishes. And he says their hearts were hardened. How many know that none of them were disbelieving the miracle that had just happened? Often when we think our hearts are hardened, we're thinking, oh, no, it's because um, we, we, we just willfully don't want to believe the Word of God. No, these guys believed what happened. Something else was taking place here that Jesus was trying to explain and to tell them. So if you go just a little bit further along, you go to Mark chapter 8, just a few chapters then you get this amazing uh, situation where the disciples are again in a situation where they're, they're far from everywhere, and Jesus is saying, listen, we can't dismiss these guys on their way uh, home. They're just going to fall down, exhausted, or they, they haven't had food. They've been with him for like three days, right? They haven't been eating. I mean, that, that's how passionate they were about the word, by the way. Good illustration. But so now they, 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 they need some food. So he says, what do we have? And the disciples, again, are asking the same kind of question, the same situation. And they say, well, we've got seven loaves. And it was about 4,000. The Bible says about 4,000 people. So that's men, women, and children, about 4,000. So they say, okay, bring me the seven loaves. And it also says they had a few small fish. So he takes the seven loaves and the few small fish, and he does it again. He breaks it, and he feeds all of them. Isn't that just Wow. So the disciples, for the second time, see an incredible miracle of God. They see this breaking of, of loaves and feeding 4,000 people. Come on, you've got to think this morning and go, these guys have just experienced two of the most phenomenal uh, experiences anybody could ever have, such an incredible, powerful miracle that, wow, I mean, now they really must be bursting at the seams. They've got it, right? Now, Jesus uh, talking to the disciples, they also now again, uh, they're going to go um, get into the boat and they go across to uh, the district of uh, Karabashande, Dalmanutha, um, and, um, and then it goes verse uh, 14, is it? Is it verse? I'll just jump to verse 14. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? These guys' hearts were still hardened. What is he talking about? Do you not perceive and not understand? What's a hardened heart, friends? A hardened heart is not willful, uh, not wanting to believe. A hardened heart is a, is, is a dullness spiritually. It's a lack of perception, understanding the spiritual realm and what God is doing from a spiritual point of view. And we are called spiritual people, so we, do, we should not have hardened hearts. Right? And here he was trying to show them something, and, and that's why the Bible makes it very clear to us. And you can go to John chapter 11, I think it's around verse 45, 46. You will see there that Jesus does an amazing miracle, and he causes Lazarus to come from the grave. This guy comes out from the grave. He's been dead a long time. He's been stinking. It's an incredible miracle, powerful miracle. And it says people looked at that and were amazed and astonished, and they believed and got saved. And there was another group of people that went from there straight away to the Pharisees, told them what the Pharisees, and they plotted to kill Jesus. So even miracles, friends, 
don't necessarily can change your heart. You can still have a hardened heart, and that's what I want to encourage us today. Friends, we've got to come to a place of humility before God to allow Him to look into and to search us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Every single one of us is susceptible to a hardened heart, a lack of understanding, a lack of perception in the spiritual realm of what God is doing. And right now, God needs you to be a person who's perceptive in understanding the spiritual realm. If we go to Luke chapter 8, we have that beautiful analogy where Jesus talks about the sower. Amen? He's talking about a sower and he's talking about people's hearts. If you read that story and you get that analogy and you can go and listen to uh, uh, Sal's um, uh, Wednesday night preach and she will share with you that in that context, he's actually talking about hearing. In that context of hearing, he's talking about the seed, which is the word of God. He's talking about the soil, which is our hearts. But the type of soil and the seed coming to the soil is actually, in essence, he's talking about hearing. And the first type of soil has got to do with stony, hard ground. Which often, friends, the way it's illustrated in the Bible from those times, what he was talking about is when they cultivated land, they used to cultivate it and then leave rows where they used to walk. I love vegetables, so I'm a ve I love veggie gardening, what have you, and I have my veggie garden. In order to deal with the veggies, friends, there are areas around the veggie garden that I have to walk so I can reach and do a bunch of stuff. And when you walk around there, it gets really hardened, right? So what happens is, because it's walked regularly and gets really hardened, when um, you, if you were to try and sow seed on that ground, it can't penetrate, it's too hard. And then the Bible says that birds come and steal the seed away. And that's happening in the church today. Because we're sitting in our seats along trodden paths over and over again. And we're sitting there and going, but I've heard this before. But I know this. But I wouldn't have thought of it like that. I wouldn't have done it. And friends, as we're doing that, friends, the birds are coming and stealing the seed. From the people of God. Friends, every single word, I don't care how many times I've heard it, read it. Uh, friends, it's the power of God. I want my soil to be receptive every single time when seed goes out, friends. Because, friends, it's not the seed that has a problem. The seed is perfect. It's got all the DNA needed to accomplish everything for which it was uh, sent for. It's the soil, right? It's the same. The second one has got to do with that uh, rocky ground where it's shallow, and um, it springs up quickly and then can't take root, and the sun scorches it, friends. That's also the reality that it's, 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 uh, it, there's an there's eagerness and a receptiveness to take the Word of God, but after we've taken the word of God, it's, an, it's a, a, a lack of uh, willingness to change. And there's, then there's a rock that, cannot, uh, that the, the, the roots cannot go deep. So we receive eagerness, yoo-hoo, and, and the thing springs up all nice. But then hold on a minute. Well, I don't really want to make the adjustments. I don't really want to make the change. I, 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 it's just become shallow. What happens with shallow ground where there's a rock, friends? Cannot, it cannot hold moisture, and its root system can't go deep. You see, you can't tap into the Holy Spirit. You can't tap into the spiritual realm. 
shallow because our fleshliness is stopping us it from going deep. This is the, all the types of soil. Then the other soil we know has got the, it's the thorns and thistles. That's a very deceptive soil because that's a, the soil that has been plowed. That's a soil that has been turned over. It's all great, but we, we cannot see that there are other seeds inside there. And unfortunately, the other seeds grow faster. So God's word come planted in that soil, and the other seeds grow up, and then they choke it. What are the other seeds? That's riches, pleasures of life, and the cares of this world. Friends, do we understand and know that God is rich? And do you know that there are pleasures at his right hand forevermore? Come on. So there is riches and there is pleasures, friends. So it's not just riches and pleasures, because God is rich and there's pleasures at his right hand. The understanding, friends, is that these things come and choke. They, they put God out of his rightful place of authority in our lives. Are we getting this? I hope. And then there's obviously the good soil, but it's not automatic that the good soil will produce, friends. It produces 30, 60, and 100 fold because we have to also take care of the good soil to make sure that we get a harvest. This is, and what is he talking about? He's talking about hearing. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. So what am I saying this morning? What I'm saying this morning is that if I had to ask you and say, what is the most powerful thing in the Bible? What's the, the highest thing that you would think in the Bible that God is, is after? People automatically would probably say love. It's all about love. Everything is about love. Then when they asked Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, for the sake of time, just Mark 12. If you go read Mark 12 verses 29 and 30. You'll see there, Jesus says, before he opens up, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And the second one is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Hear, O Israel. No, well, maybe it's not love, maybe it's faith. No, well, faith comes by Hearing, you, you, I'm, for the sake of time too, I'm not going to go down this trail except to say this. So friends, the master key, the master key in the word of God, the master key for our lives, the master key for what God's called us to is hearing. Friends, we need to hear. I mean, if I was to say the relationship with Jane, the way that we can develop our love for each other is by hearing. If we don't speak to one another, it's difficult to develop, right? But yes, we can say, but hold on a minute, what if a guy's deaf or, or if he's, he can't speak or whatever, and that, I mean, can't he ever have love? There's one thing that trumps, there's one thing that trumps hearing. One thing. Guess what that is? Presence. See, presence trumps hearing. So what's God after? God, first and foremost, is after presence. He wants an audience with you, your presence. He wants you to come into his presence. That's key, number one. Secondly, he wants you to hear him, right? And then from there, friends, will flow love, faith, and hope. And the greatest of these is love, and we have preached a lot on love. But friends, understand that God's desire is presence, and for us to hear him. Amen. If I had the time this morning to unpack 
and to, to show you in the Word of God how many times God reiterated over and over again. Uh, the, um, Mark chapter 9, you can go read it, or the Mount of Transfiguration, or the, the, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go up the mountain. They're up there. Jesus is busy uh, pr- praying, gets transformed uh, into this beautiful, uh, shining person. And, uh, and then Moses and Elijah come and stand on either side of him. It's, it's got to be just a phenomenal uh, picture that's actually happening. And they're all looking there, and Peter, of course, he's got to put his foot straight in it, whatever, and says, hey, why don't we just camp here, and let's just, woo, let's have a glory time for the rest of our lives with these guys, because that's what a lot of people do, get revelation, get born again, woo, God's doing great things, woo, I'm getting an increase in my salary, in my job, and everything, let's just camp here, and let's enjoy life. But the gospel's not about you and I, friends, because we hold eternity in our hands. We hold eternity in our hands. It's about a heaven and hell issue. Not for us, but for the rest of the people in the world. Friends, they need us to be the living example and light that Jesus called us to be. So I can't camp there. So what happens is, Eli- is Moses and Elijah, poof, they disappear. And then, friends, because we we've, we've understand that that's the law and the prophets. And then God begins to speak, and he says these beautiful words, just to paraphrase very quickly. He says, hear him. He says, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Being the law and the prophets, now it's Jesus. Hear him. But what's the key thing there? Hear him. Amen? We need to hear as the people of God. God's calling us to hear. He's calling us into his presence, and he's calling us to hear what he's trying to tell us. Amen. And when he begins to speak, friends, then now we can operate from that place of understanding. Let me give you a quick, uh, if you, you, hopefully you're still in Mark. Let me jump to Mark chapter 3. This is, um, Gavin always says I change my favorites, but um, this is my favorite scripture right now. In this very moment, it's my favorite scripture. Do you know, this is the story about um, um, Jesus, uh, who is calling uh, his apostles, uh, because he's now going to go out. Well, he's now going to spend time. Oh, in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. And uh, 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Don't you love that? Oh, I could preach on that. Just that. He went up on the mountain, which is just some, a place away. So the, you, you know, and he called uh, to him those whom he desired. they came to him. Verse 14, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and, and he might send them out to preach. Did you miss it? Did you catch what happened there? Let me read it again. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Guess what church is all about? That they might be with him, and he will send them out to preach. They might be with him, and then he will send them out to preach. Not, don't worry about being with him. Let's just send them out to preach. Let's go tell about something that we're not even demonstrating. Let's knock Sunday mornings because who cares? But let's go out there and let's disciple and tell everyone about how powerful this body is when we're not seeing any body. 
And I'm excited, not, I'm not shouting. Um, I'm passionate about the kingdom and getting the word of God richly dwelling inside of our hearts and our lives. This word, Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to, us to be in his presence. He wants to be able to speak to us. He wants us to hear what he's doing because he does want to send us out to preach the gospel. Amen. Let's just jump quickly to Luke chapter 10. This comes to mind. Luke chapter 10. You can see we're not going to go much further this morning. Anyway, it's all stirring. Luke chapter 10. Oh, the whole chapter is very good, but there's somewhere where I want to read. Somewhere in Luke. Okay, Luke chapter 10. If you jump quickly to uh, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. But one thing is necessary. Now, hold on a minute. Jesus, I've welcomed you into my house, and I welcomed, and a whole bunch of people came in, and I am a great hospitality person. And I love to actually make people feel at home and make sure they all get some food, get a good chow, and, uh, and all feel welcome and everything. And we as a church, we, what we want to do is be a bunch of people that just give everybody a nice cup of coffee and a good welcome at the door. And Jesus says, one thing is necessary. And Martha, you missed it. Okay, that's my paraphrase. It says, one thing. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Friends, are you anxious and troubled about many things? Are you running around doing a whole bunch of many things? God's saying one thing is necessary. One thing. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Right now, God is calling us. Friends, you are busy. You do have many things in your life going on. But I want to encourage you, it's far easier to be running around doing those things, even if they're biblical, even if they're kingdom things. Friends, one thing is necessary. Not that you can choose. One thing is necessary. I'm encouraging every single one of you, do not go out if you have not sat at his feet. Do not. Friends, the world needs somebody who sits at his feet and listens and who hears because him hearing you and you hearing him, friends, are connected. God is calling every single one of us to this place, friends, of intimacy, of hearing. And he's challenging us this morning and saying, check your hearts. Every single one of us can be hardened, friends. And hearing, friends, can be affected by many, many things. One of the things the Bible says about hearing um, is, uh, if you went to, I can go there quickly, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, Hebrews 3, verse 13, it says, um, 
But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, you can get hardened and you can't hear because of the deceitfulness of sin. We've got to understand what, that, what, that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, hold on, there could be, let's just shoot back again because I just feel like it and it's getting really hot in here. Um, let me go to Luke 17. If you've enjoyed Luke 17, move from there now to Luke, Luke 21. Go to Luke 21. <laughs> uh, be careful how you hear. <laughs> Luke 21, verse 34, it says this. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down or hardened with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He's talking actually about um, the day of the Lord there. But watch for yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down, or, or lest your hearts be um, hardened with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Um, some of you might have carousing or other words there, but dissipation simply means that uh, it's, you, you basically uh, are running around like, with, like a, with a chicken with its head chopped off. You're spending a lot of energy, but you're not achieving anything. You just, there's no control. You're just doing a bunch. That's why it relates a lot. This particular scripture, if you understand the Greek words there, then it's, it, it does relate a lot to, to drunkenness and alcohol. But drunkenness is also where you can't stop. You, you take a drink and you just keep going until you're completely drunk. There's, there's a, a hint here that he's telling us that if we're running around all over the place with a, head, chick, with a chicken with its head chopped off, if we're busy doing a whole bunch of stuff, if, we, if we, we, we don't know when to say no in our lives, one of the biggest challenges today, we're such an insecure bunch of people in the world today that we don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to say no. We say yes to every single thing because I like them and I want them to like me. And he's saying, these things harden your heart. You get busy and you're doing a bunch of stuff and you don't stop whatever and your heart gets hardened. And then what he says here, which is so radical, he also says, the cares of this life. How many know that we have to live in this world? How many know that we have cares in this world? So how many know that if you are not doing anything with your heart, it will get hardened? That's basically what he's telling us here. He says, your heart will get hardened by the cares of this world, which means I have to take my heart and I have to be vigilant to watch over my heart now because naturally it will get hardened. What we got in the church, a lot of people passively just sitting there in Jesus, hallelujah, who are not taking care of their hearts and their hearts have got hardened. And now when the trumpet of the Lord's sounding and God's busy sending out the command to his people, their hearts are hardened. Well, I know, I don't think I have to do that. I actually saw on Facebook somebody else said something else. Fascinating on Facebook. 
It's like Dr. Google. No, no, this guy said that. You can find anything everywhere, anywhere. The reality is, how about you go and sit at the feet of Jesus and find out from him what he's saying. Wouldn't that be beautiful? So I'm landing. I'm landing. I better land. I'm landing this morning instead of circling anymore. How, how do we? How do we take care of our hearts? What, what's one of the big things that we can take care of our hearts? Here, here's a cracker that, that will just, um, boo, uh, maybe just give you a little bit of a whoopsie, um, is um, fasting. Ooh. Hey, nah, fasting. Ah, oh, nah, come on. Let's quickly skip over that. Next one. No, fasting. Why does fasting check your heart, friends? Because guess what? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Matthew 16, verse 24, deny yourself, take up your cross. The world does not deny itself. And not many believers deny themselves either. We're an indulging generation. Let's just indulge. Well, I feel like it. I'll just have it as long as I can afford it. And if I can't afford it, I'll get miffed, whatever, and find a credit card that will help me afford it. Instead of denying ourselves, friends. How many know that the Bible says, oh, should I read it? Should I read it? Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. Another scripture, just quickly. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears. Wow, that's Paul. Even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. This is writing a letter to the Philippian church. This is to Christians. This is to the church. Many of you, whom I've often told you and now tell you with tears in my eyes. I'm, I'm weeping. Paul is weeping. And he's saying, they walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. How many know that there isn't a little idol on their pew with a little belly? Right? Their God is their belly. What does that mean? It's their, their appetite, their stomach, right? <laughs> so, I hope that's not on the camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> can't un- unsee that, sorry. Um, where am I? Their the end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory and their shame with mindset on earthly things. Two realms, very quickly, and I'm landing, I'll pull this all together. Two realms, two understandings, two kingdoms, friends. One is the kingdom of God, one is the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is the appetites, our appetites of the flesh. When our heart is connected too, uh, too close to the appetite of our flesh, to our bellies, friends, we lose perceptiveness and understanding in the realms of God. You have to disconnect your heart from being so close to your belly. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Matthew 4, verses 4, man shall not live by bread alone. What bread is that? The bread of the natural, the bread of the belly, the bread that we eat constantly in this realm. He's saying man shall not live by that alone, but must live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I now am your bread. I am your sustenance. I am your food. Jesus said, you, ha- you don't know, you have no idea of the food that I have. What food is that, Jesus? To do the will of my Father. This is the food of God. So how do I get, uh, how do I get to that place, friends? I starve this appetite. I feast on Him. 
Why? Because in the natural, friends, when you, if you, hunger comes when you, you starve. In the spiritual realm, hunger comes when you feast on the bread of life. That's the bread, friends. So let me end with this quick illustration or quick little story. If you go look into Matthew, it's a beautiful place to start. And I'm going to end with the Beatitudes, but I won't preach the whole Beatitudes. Let me end with this. So here we see beautiful illustration early in, in, in biblically Matthew, the first couple of chapters. Jesus is born. Um, we don't really see Jesus, uh, the whole picture of what's going on. He's now with his family. He's growing up. He's learning how to be a carpenter. He's, uh, you know, chopping and cutting wood and doing all kinds of things, friends. Then along on the scene comes John the Baptist. And John the Baptist comes as a herald. He comes as preparing the way for Jesus. And then Jesus just pops out of nowhere, and he comes to John. And guess what Jesus does? He goes and he gets water baptized by John, right? We know the illustration. Matthew chapter 3, you can go read it. And so what happens is, and John's like, no, hold on a minute. Uh, and Jesus said, for, for the sake of fulfilling all righteousness. So Jesus comes along. And he is baptized, he goes under the water, he comes out of the water. As he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, fills him. And um, the Father says, my, my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Great illustration of the people of God getting to that place where they get born again, they get baptized, leaving behind the old, coming out, Holy Spirit fills them, and now they're empowered. And guess where the Holy Spirit leads Jesus? Into the wilderness, friends, and he fasts. If Jesus fasts, so should we fast, friends. There is something about fasting that's absolutely critical and key, friends, about your heart. What's powerful is in the fast, the devil comes and tempts him, and he begins to declare the word. How the heck did Jesus know the word? He had just spent his whole life, hours and hours, at the feet of God. We don't get to see or hear about that part of his life. But friends, he spent hours with his daddy, with his father, with a mandate on his heart, beating with eternity before him, for the joy set before him. Friends, how was the joy set before him if he didn't have eternity in his heart? He wasn't living for today or tomorrow. Friends, he was living for eternity. He was understanding, and so he fasts, and he prays, and he declares the word. He conquers the devil, and he comes out in power. And then what happens is John the Baptist gets arrested, and Jesus is released. Okay, it's time now. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Suddenly a shift had happened, and suddenly the kingdom of God was at hand. Very powerful. And then the kingdom of God is at hand, and he is going around now ministering presence and power of God like you've never seen. You've got to read it. It's powerful. I mean, people, anything and everything that was coming to him, sicknesses, diseases, para, paralytics, para something, and, um, and, uh, and demons and all kinds of, and he was just, just ministering healing and life. And then he's sitting there, and the crowds are coming from everywhere. It tells you, all over the place. They're just packing it out. And they come and they sit there. And then he begins to preach a sermon, which is nice and beautiful and cuddly, and it's called the Beatitudes. No, what he was preaching, friends, was a sermon about the kingdom of God. He was saying, God, something's changed here. Let me tell you about this. There has been a shift and a change. Matthew 11, I think it's verses around 11, 12, 13, around there, where he says, nobody 
born of a woman, nobody born of a woman, ever, ever born of a woman is greater than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence and the violence of taking it by force. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Friends, when you're not born again, you're dead. You don't have ears. Not these ears. You don't have these ears. But when you're born again, he's saying, if you've got ears, which means you're born again, then listen to what I'm trying to tell you about the kingdom of God. There's a powerful transition that's taken place here. If you just quickly go to Matthew chapter 5, your faces are looking blank. I'm going to have to help them with a smile on my, on your, on my face. If you just jump quickly to, let me just go to verse 17 quickly. This is Jesus. He's just talked also about blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He's just going through the Beatitudes, but it's, he's talking kingdom here, and he's talking about salt and light. And then he says in verse 17, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. Man, we should go back to teaching this in the church. When the grace message came in, friends, something went completely left. And we need to bring this back in understanding in the church. Very, very clear. Click here. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches them to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about who's least and who's most. If you teach people to no longer follow the commandments of the Lord, then you are least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So now he's talking about never entering, and he's also talking about when you're in the kingdom, there's the least and there's the greatest. You start to ask yourself a very simple question here. What is he actually talking about? Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. What were the scribes and Pharisees' righteousness? The scribes and the Pharisees' righteousness was external. They were busy doing everything all nice and right. Whitewashed sepulchers. But inside, it was dead, friends. Inside, they were fraught. And he says, your righteousness has to exceed that. What is he saying? What he's saying is your righteousness, it must exceed that because now your righteousness must come from within. There's a righteousness from within, not a righteousness from without. And then he hasn't done away with the law and the prophets. It's now written on your heart, Jeremiah 31, 33. It's written on our hearts. It's expressed from our hearts. So now, friends, he's saying, hold on a minute. If we now are a people of God, if we now understand the kingdom of God has now come onto our lives, let's ask you a simple question. Hold on a minute. It's said, in, it's said that if you commit murder, what's committing murder? That's an outward. He says, but I'm telling you, if you even think in your heart, 
raka, which is an Arabic word, which simply means empty head, good for nothing. What's he trying to say? No, what he's, a lot of teachers, and I, and I get what they're trying to say, and I've preached it myself. They're trying to say, well, Jesus was just raising the bar of sin and saying it's, it's this, is, it's, even, it's even bigger or higher. No, we're missing the point of what he's trying to share here. What he's trying to share is that I'm not talking about an external people. I'm talking about an internal. I'm talking about it's no good you standing there. Oh, I haven't killed anybody. I picked up my axe, but I didn't touch anybody. I just put it down again. He's saying no, but if you think it in your heart, you haven't understood the kingdom of God. You haven't understood there's, understood there's been a transition in your heart. You're different. You think differently, operate differently, you're motivated differently. The world's crying out for a people that understand the kingdom of God. They are different inside. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's a hunger and a thirst for us. Friends, it's not just that we are legally right standing in righteousness before God, but we can do whatever we want because it's the grace of God. No, friends, we are not just legally right, but we also have to, our conduct has to come into line with this because the kingdom of God is within us. And he wants to release the kingdom of God through our lives so that we can impart the presence and power of God. Now, why is the church sitting there helpless or not with any power? Because they're externally still in a wrong covenant. They're trying to produce outwardly, but inwardly they're wicked. Friends, they haven't understood there was a transition, there was a change. Jesus brought the change. The kingdom of God, you can't look and say, there, there's the kingdom of God. Church is doing a whole bunch of programs, doing this, doing that. Oh, there's the kingdom of God. But inside, friends, Jesus is saying, no, not anymore. This is, this is the last days. These are the days when I want my people to come sit at my feet. I want them to listen. I want them to hear what I'm saying. I want them to be led by the voice, my voice. My voice can lead them. And as they're obedient to that, I want the presence and power of God, the kingdom of God. I want them to be children of the kingdom. I want the kingdom of God to be released. My rule, my reign, my authority, friends. Not an outward demonstration. It's coming from within, friends. He didn't just come for some rules and regulations, friends. That's religion. Every other religion comes. Our religion is different. Every other religion we're trying to reach, to get to God. Jesus came to us. And now, friends, we may be this earthen vessel, but we've got a treasure within us. His name is Jesus, and there's been a transformation in our lives, and now he wants us to be truly children of light, to be salt and light, friends. We have to be that so that the world can see, friends. And how does the world see? It sees us when we gather together and we're totally in love with him, not with smoke machines and all the different equipments and all the everything else. Let me tell you, none of that was ever supposed to take away from a worshiping heart. I wonder some days I'm going to go before the Lord and ask him some questions. This beautiful creativity of God that had all these instruments happen, every one of those instruments took away from the heart. They were supposed just to be an expression of his heart. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth because it comes from a heart, a kingdom people's heart. He wants our lives to come from everything that we do, friends, it must come from our heart, from a changed life, from a kingdom understanding of our hearts. If we're not spending time with Him, we don't have a relationship with Him, friends, we're doing it out of a mental ascent or a mental, we're processing what we're doing through our heads. 
And that's what got Adam and Eve a problem in the first place. How many know when they sat there, friends, they didn't really know what they were doing. They just trusted Jesus. Everything was Jesus. They didn't have to worry. But the minute they eat from that tree, it was now they were processing the knowledge of good and evil, trying to now do something. Friends, God's not asking us to try to do something. He's asking to be with us. He's saying, can, I just, can you not just come and be with me and listen to me and allow the kingdom of God to advance in your heart, in your life, to captivate you? Can you not just allow the, the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God? Can you not just allow me to break open in your life, bring my righteousness This is not trying to earn anything. This is, friends, understanding who we are in God, that it's His righteousness. And allow His righteousness, friends, to actually empower us to walk out, not in my own ability and His own ability. Because now, friends, that's power. You can't shake inside of me or challenge anything inside of me that's not me. Oh, no, but you know what? I know you. You actually are a liar. You said this, that, and the other. Yes, I did, but actually, I'm not walking in that. I'm walking in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, when you do that, friends, you will do those things less. That's how you deal with those things, is understanding who you are in God. So I've said and spat a lot this morning, but I want to encourage us that there is a, 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 a moment here, a window of opportunity for the people of God. If we can understand that there is an onslaught going on in the world, friends, and I don't think any of us have any idea of how close we are to some really challenging demonic stuff going to start happening in this world. Really demonic. We've not even been challenged in many areas where we would even think. You and I haven't had face persecution in any degree, really. It's piddly what, what persecution we've faced. Friend, for what's going to happen. All eyes are on America, yes, because America will set the, the, the trend going forward. But for me, I'm saying all eyes should be on Jesus. It should be, we're going to look to him. Because right now, he's calling every single one of us and saying, the reason why I want you to fast. I didn't even get to how, you, how, how else you protect your heart. The other, there's a few ways, but the other way is also the word. The way you protect your heart is the word. Jeremiah 23, I think it is, says the, the word is a fire. It's a hammer smashing rocks to pieces. The word of God. This is a time now for us to sit at his feet and hear his voice, to be led by his voice, to have hearts that are soft, pliable in his hands, to become clay and let the potter work. Clay just has to yield. Clay doesn't pick and choose what it wants to be shaped into. It also doesn't go, hey, no, push there, do that. No, do this. It just sits there. And lets the, the master do it. And as the master's doing it, it's just shaping it and forming it and helping. And, and you're just sitting there going, oh, yes, oh, that feels nice. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, Jesus. And then when you're finished, whatever he's shaped it. Oh, well, I'm, a, I'm a pot. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a teapot. Yoo-hoo. I mean, I don't sit there and say, what's the will of God for my life? I don't know. What should I do? I'm a teapot. I think I should go and become a rock star. No, you're a teapot, for goodness sake. Go and pour tea. Right? It's not that difficult, friends. It's a simple, in the simplicity of the Bible. It's Jesus leads and shapes. We just listen and we do. I, Jesus just said that. He didn't say, listen, well, it took me a while, about 16 years for me to figure out what the will of God was for my life. He just said, I do nothing other than what my father tells me. 
quite simple. What's, what's God's will for your life? Oh, I just do nothing other than what the Father tells me. Well, how do you know what the Father tells you? Well, I go sit at his feet and I listen to him. Well, I can't hear him because, no, you can hear him. You're just giving yourself to a whole lot of other voices. Most of you here, when things happen, friends, you, most of you will go, oh, I also felt that. It's just the person that actually did it had confidence that that was the voice of God. You actually also heard it, but you didn't have the confidence that they had. So we are hearing, friends. We're just giving ourselves to a lot of other stuff. Friends, there's so much other voices going on at the moment, and we, we kind of go, but I want to hear the voice of God. Of course I want to hear the voice of God. Yeah, then switch off Netflix. Because Netflix is not going to help you hear the voice of God. It's going to help you hear a bunch of other voices. What are all the other voices? Well, I put on the radio and I listen to, ooh, could touch something here. Yeah, all these other, some brilliant songs out there and what have you. Where's that coming from? What voice is that coming from? So many other voices, friends. We've got to quieten those voices down so we can hear the voice of God. Am I really desperate for hunger for Him? That's why we fast. That's telling Him. It's our beautiful mechanism where we can tell God, I am desperately hungry for you. Just you. I'll shut off eating. Because that was Adam and Eve. That was Esau, by the way. All not good examples in the Bible. So that's why we fast. We understand. I don't want to be an Esau. I don't want to be Adam and Eve. And we're looking going, it looks good for food. I want to go, that steak looks really good. But I, I've got more hunger for the food of yours, Lord, which is to do your will. So I'll say no to that. Maybe next week I'll get it back again. No, I'm joking. Shall we stand? Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Now, I spat and said a lot. I understand that. But if you caught what I was saying this morning, there's a challenge that God is giving to his people at this time. And it's not a heavy, burdensome thing. Friends, like I said, I was sharing with the leaders, fasting isn't meant to be this hardship. It's meant to be an absolute privilege. When we yield to Holy Spirit, when we yield to God, when we sit at His feet, I'm the first one that would be able to tell you here today, as a person who has been given the incredible privilege of, of doing uh, what I do full time, it is so much easier to do stuff than to sit at his feet. It's not easy to sit at his feet because when you sit at his feet, you get distracted. Suddenly, you need some coffee or the toilet or you need to remember, I've got to try and get a page right down. Oh, I have to look at that email or something. You get distracted very quickly and then you kind of go, oh, let's quickly let's read a scripture and let's finish that. But I'm going to go now and go and see so-and-so and that's biblical and I'm going to do some discipleship there and I'm going to teach her, whatever. It's easier to do stuff than it is to sit. But what God's calling His people today is to sit at His feet. It's necessary, friends. It's necessary for your and my relationship with Him. It's necessary so that we can hear His voice clearly. And God just spoke to me uh, recently, and he, I, I'm on this journey now. I encourage every single one of you. I had to go find, and it was so beautiful because... Um, I grew up, when I got born again, I was given this beautiful Bible. Uh, it's a New American Standard Bible, um, but it's the red letter version. And I have all when I was growing up. It's one of those Bibles that you just uh, got there written in it, all my encounters, all the things that God did in my life. 
Um, and it's so encouraging when you're reading a Bible from when you were 13 years old and just worshiping in your, in your room and God came in His presence. And, and so it's just been enriching me. But God said, I want you to get a red letter Bible. And I want you to begin to read the red letters over and over and over and over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Revelations. And it's got Jesus' words. The more you read that, the more you start to get familiar with the way Jesus speaks. The more you suddenly realize there's a whole lot of stuff out there that is accredited to Jesus. That he doesn't speak like that. The more you get familiar with his voice. Friends, it's, 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 it does cost. It costs to hear the voice of the Lord. I know people go out there and they want to preach and tell us all this nice little thing and it's all cuddly. And now you can just hear the voice of the Lord. It costs. Because there's so many other voices that we've allowed to speak very loud in our lives. So I want to pray this morning for every single one of us. I don't feel to lay hands. I don't know. Con, I'll hand over to you if you feel anything. But I just want to pray for us because I do believe there is a very important call that's going out right now for us to sit at the feet of Jesus. And your life may be busy. It might be full of other things. And I want to tell you that be careful. That because of the dissipation and the cares of this world, your heart may have got hardened. So Lord, I want to pray right now for us. I don't think we can have these moments, Lord, without repentance. You said repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There was first repentance. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father, I pray and I stand before you as an individual also joining in with everybody else. That I repent. Which has just changed the way you think. Of doing this Christianese walk, Lord God, which has just been external. Trying to do all the right things and tick all the right boxes, but never allowing God to let the kingdom of God inside of me change me, transform me, and allow me to reflect my inward reality outwardly. See, one of, the, one of the sad things with the Pharisees is they had an outward reality that was different from the inward reality. The problem with the Pharisees is their outward reality looked all nice and shiny and perfect and righteous, but inward they were just <laughs> fraught. The challenge for the church today is our inward reality is the righteousness of Christ. And our outward reality is something else. Because we're not letting the kingdom of God govern our outward reality as well. So I pray today, Lord God, that as we repent, Lord, of where we have not allowed you to speak and to lead 
from our hearts. We repent, Lord, where we have hardened our hearts. We've allowed thorns and thistles to choke the word. We, we've not wanted to adjust in our lives, Lord God, things that have been like rocks that have stopped the word of God from taking root. We repent, Lord God. We allow the plow of your spirit to come and to turn up the soil of our hearts this morning. We ask that you would declutter, de-weed, take out all the stuff that we've allowed to just hang around in our soil. We ask this morning, Lord God, that as you prepare our hearts and our soil, because it's not by might or by power, friends, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the spirit of God working in us. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. We allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to shape us and to mold us. Because, Lord, every single one of us want to bear forth a hundredfold. So I'm asking this morning, Lord God, that today wouldn't just be a, a sermon where words would be spoken. And we will forget, Lord God. But may today be a shake-up and a wake-up that we would arise if we've been sleeping. Arise to your word. Arise to a hunger and a thirst again for righteousness. For righteousness in our lives, Lord God, that our lives would portray who you are. That that which is written on our hearts, the law, the commandments of God, the nature and the character of God. It's not been abolished. It's just Jesus fulfilled it so that we could be that. We could live that. I believe, Father, that you're rising up a church that are going to live and breathe and have their being totally in you. A church that when that church gets together, it shakes buildings. presence and power of God is so tangible and so powerful that people wouldn't even dare join them. God, you'd have to woo them in. You'd have to bring them in. A people that are so on fire for you, Lord God, that they would be a demonstration of who you really are. They would be a people so filled with love that they wouldn't get upset, but they would love their enemies. When they're attacked, they would just love. There's a shift that's happened in the spiritual realm. And I'm asking, Lord God, that 24-7 church would recognize it and make the adjustment in their hearts and in their lives. We were born for such a time as this. We were born to be leaders. We were born to be on the cutting edge of what you're doing. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. That you would hover over people's hearts. And you'd begin to minister. And every single person here, may they go out changed, not the same. They can't do tomorrow 
like they did today. Because you've got eternity in your heart. You might know where you're going, but there are thousands who have no idea. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Are you ready to be His hands and feet to a world that's completely topsy-turvy, upside-down, messed up? And the way you can be ready is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And guess what? The rest He'll take care of. Thank you that you love us, Lord God. Thank you you love us so much that you would cause us today just to take a moment to relook not a huge fan of internal gazing, but just have a relook at our hearts, just to reposition us again and to make sure that we're not being deceived. We're not just doing a whole bunch of stuff because we think it's God. But I thought it was God that I should take that job, but that job is taking me away from Him. But I thought it was God that we would go away on weekends and go in as a family, but now I no longer can attend church. But I thought it was God that I'd have that boyfriend or that girlfriend. But he doesn't serve the Lord and he distracts or takes me away. It's time for us to stand accountable before the Lord. That which we do actually, it's not a movie line, it does echo into eternity. asking Holy Spirit that you would do what I cannot do this morning and that's change us, transform us we don't want to be the same you're coming you really are coming and you're coming soon let's live our lives for his glory and for his name all the people said amen amen if you want to linger a little bit and just let God do some things in your heart then please stay I don't know if the guys are still online but um, bless you love you and I know I've taken up a lot of time this morning but it was worth it for the kingdom amen if any of you here that are needing prayers needing us to pray for you kingdom of God is here. It's within us. Um, We would love to impart and release the kingdom of God. Otherwise, love you guys, and um, please stay, encourage one another, have fellowship, and uh, yeah, have an absolute great week. Amen? These are exciting times that we are living in. May you be inspired, and may you be encouraged in your week as Jesus uh, releases his kingdom through your life into people's lives. Amen. Be blessed.